speaking to the people, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me shall never walk in darkness, but uh, be the light of life. But Jesus also told his disciples that you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. But how can we be the light of the world if Jesus is also the light of the world? Yeah, I'm confused. Could you explain this? Well, uh, I'll, I'll do my best, but thank you for getting the message kicked off, guys. Thanks for the reading. Appreciate it. It can be a little confusing, uh, but before uh, we unpack that this morning, I just want to welcome everybody and wish everybody a a very happy new year. Uh, I trust you had a great Christmas and uh, a wonderful start to the new year. I know we've got a lot of happy Buckeye fans here this morning, so... uh, and uh, they, they hope to be cheering again next Monday. So, But we're so glad that you're here. And this morning, uh, I think uh, the message that I'm going to bring, I hope, will set the tone for the entire year. Because I believe God wants to do something amazing through us this year in 2021. We don't know what 2021 will bring. Uh, And actually, it's not the year that brings anything. The Lord allows things to come into our life to shape us, to uh, refine us, and to make us more like him. And so if God does just that, just imagine what he can do uh, through us this year. So would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for um, your faithfulness to us this past year. And Lord, how you carried us through the fire. And Lord, we know that in the grand scheme of things, what we faced in 2020 pales in comparison to things that people have experienced down through the centuries. But nonetheless, Lord, you are well aware of our trials, our struggles. You're aware of our sorrow and hardships. And so, Lord, as we enter this new year, we pray that you would do a deep work in us, that we might be conformed to the image of your Son, and as a result of that, that there would be many more lovers of Jesus in your kingdom as a result. So, Lord, um, do not allow us um, to waste the opportunities that you give us this year. Lord, but help us. Help us be on mission with you. Holy Spirit, speak through me this morning as we look at your word. Uh, Convict us where necessary. Encourage us. Most of all, conform us to the image of Christ, we pray. And it's in his name. Amen. Amen. So, during Advent, we we actually uh, had... Um, uh, several passages of scripture that we read that uh, sometimes came from the Old Testament, sometimes from the New Testament. We read several from the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah uh, 9-2, we read that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. 
And we, we know now from hindsight that, that the prophet was referring to Jesus. He was referring to the coming of the Messiah. And John gives us a glimpse of this in his gospel in chapter 1 where he says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Speaking of the birth of Christ. So it's pretty obvious that Jesus is the light of the world. I mean, after all, he said so himself, right? But he also said to his disciples and to us, by extension, that you are the light of the world. And so just as uh, Casey so uh, deftly uh, illustrated, it can be confusing. Um, Which is it? Is Jesus the light of the world? Are we the light of the world? Was John confused? Was Jesus confused? Are there two lights of the world? How would you answer that question? How would you resolve that apparent contradiction if somebody were to ask you? Well, let me see if I can help this morning. Um, how many of you guys noticed uh, uh, the full moon this past week? Any, anybody? I love looking out at the stars at night, and uh, we had a, a full moon. It was the last full moon of the decade. And uh, we just happened to be out on New Year's Eve. Uh, After dinner, my wife and I, we went to the zoo to see the lights at the zoo. And the further north we got, we actually ran into snow on the ground. So there was some freshly fallen snow that was on the ground. And it was just so beautiful to see the moon reflecting off of the snow, as well as all the lights there at the zoo. And uh, it reminded me of something my dad told me when I was growing up as a kid. He says that during World War II, uh, on a clear night when they had a full moon, they called it a bomber's moon. And that was because they could actually, apparently, see the sites that they were endeavoring to, to bomb during the war. So very clearly, the, the light from the moon enabled you know, the, the bombardier um, to be able to see his target. And, and so what we see is, is that the moon is not the light, but it helps us to see by reflecting the light from the sun. Now, um, I want to show you something here and see if you can figure out what it is. If I hold it this way, you probably don't know. If I hold it this way, you might be able to tell. What is this? It's a reflector, okay? In my opinion, it's not a really good one, but in in any event, what's what's the purpose of this? What's a reflector used for? Okay, somebody said to reflect. Yes, it is, to reflect. But why? Why do you want to have one of these? On the back of your bike, for instance. So you don't get hit. So the car that's coming behind you that's shining the light on your bike, the light reflects off of the reflector back to the driver of that vehicle and they know to stay clear of you. So this is a great thing. You, you see it on cars, you see it on trailers, you see it on signs. Um, one of the things that I noticed a number of years ago, a long time ago, I thought it was so cool. They started putting these things, building these things into the highway, into the ground itself, which I thought was like, how did they do that? And, you know, they chiseled out a little bit of the, the, of the, of the road, and then the, the reflectors were kind of recessed in there. So as you're driving down the road, you can see them except for when it snows, then you're in trouble. 
So um, now, in order for that to be effective, you need a couple of things. You need a source of light, and you need someone to see it. Okay, so for this to be effective, you need a source of light, and then you need someone to be able to see it. If nobody sees it, what good is the reflector? It doesn't do any good. Well, another common object that uh, reflects light is this, a mirror. This is a very interesting contraption, by the way. And when you look at it, you see yourself. And what you're really seeing, you're seeing light being reflected off of your face onto the mirror, which then reflects it back, and, and you see you. That's, that's one of the purposes of a mirror. Now, um, I don't know if you've ever, maybe as a kid, you know, would be outside somewhere and you'd take a mirror or a shiny object um, and you would kind of do one of these things where you would like take it and then try to, you know, aim it at people or things like that. You see that a lot in the movies. You know, you see people like they, they do like Morse code type things and things like that. Well, obviously the same principle applies. You need a source of light, you need a reflector, and you need somebody to be able to see it. And so this morning, that's what we're going to be talking about. But I want to be abundantly clear that the moon, the reflector, the mirror, they are not the source of light. They merely reflect the light that's already there. And it is in this sense that we are the light of the world. To the degree that we reflect the light of Christ. We are not the light. Jesus is the light. In fact, John tells us a few verses earlier in chapter 1, verse 4. He says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then several chapters later, chapter 12, he says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. I remember when um, my wife and I got married, um, I had my mentor um, actually perform the, the ceremony and you know, after a, a, a great talk, he kind of got to the end and he, and he took this pause And he looked out at me and he leaned in and he pointed his finger. I'll never forget. He says, Paul, reflect, reflect. God has called you to reflect Christ to your wife and to all those around you. And I'll never forget those words the truth is, is that as Christians, we, we don't always reflect the light and the life of Christ as we should. I know that, that I don't. But that's who we are. That's what we're called to do. We are called to illuminate the path to God so that those who are in darkness can find the light. So as we begin a new year, we need to be reminded 
that we were created, designed to reflect God to the world. That's what it means to be made in the image of God. And as Christ followers, we are called to reflect the light and the life of Christ to the world. That is why I believe Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 that you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, we are the light of the world. We are that city that is set on a hill. And why is it set on the hill? It's so that the light can shine down to the valley, so that people can see it, that people can find their way to Christ. And we are called to shine. That's what I believe God is calling us to do this year. Now, if we are to more effectively reflect the light of Christ in 2021, there are a few things that we need to be conscious of and intentional about. And I'm just going to mention three of these things here this morning because I think they're, they're very, very important. And the first, I'd just simply like to illustrate. Um, Paul, you can turn off the lights, please. Now, we just lost the spotlight, so I'm going to have my son come up. And hopefully he'll be able to il- help me illustrate this, okay? All right? All right, I'm holding the mirror now. And he's shining it out in the mirror. What's wrong with this picture? Uh, You guys aren't sure how to respond. Um, You don't see the light reflecting, do you? Why? Because this is the first principle. You have to make sure that if you're going to reflect the light of Christ this year and in every year that follows, you have to face the light. Notice that when you face the light, you can direct the light wherever you want. You can turn the lights back on. Thank you. So the first thing I want you to understand is is that we need to keep facing the light. Now, this is easy to forget. It is. It is just super easy for us to forget. Perhaps that's why the writer of Hebrews says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Maybe that's why Paul talks about running the race and having an eye to the finish line. Maybe that's why Peter went glub, glub, glub when he tried walking on water and he took his eyes off of Christ onto the wind and the waves around him. I love uh, also what we see in Psalm 123 verse two. The psalmist writes, behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God. Now, there's something we need to understand. We do not look to the Lord merely for his blessings. 
Although oftentimes we do that, we turn to the Lord, we pray, we ask, we seek, we knock, because there's something that we want God to do for us. But the most important reason we look to the Lord is so that we can become more like him. The more that we gaze upon him, the more that we look upon his beauty, the more we will desire to be like him and we will become conformed to the image of Christ. I think maybe that's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. As we gaze upon the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the image of Christ from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. And as we do that, we reflect the light of Christ to all who are around us. So in order to shine, we must first keep facing the light. The second thing that you need to do is is to make sure that nothing comes between you and the light. Now we've got the spot back on, and I can do the same thing here, shining the light in the mirror, but if for some reason something comes between the light and the reflector. The reflector isn't going to reflect anything but darkness. You need to remove the obstacles to be able to see the reflection, to see the light. And so we have to make sure that nothing comes between us and the light. And one of the things that is sure to do it is sin. In fact, we read in the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor his ear so dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. A lot of times I I hear Christians say, I feel so far from the Lord. I feel like God is so distant. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, they fail to understand that it's their sin that has driven that barrier between them and God. God does not promise to bless us in our rebellion. And sin is rebellion. Technically, sin is lawlessness. But more Generally, sin is anything that we think, say, or do that displeases God. And that can be all sorts of things. It is falling short of his glory and his will for our lives. We sin by doing things that we ought not do. And we sin by not doing the things that we ought to do. We sin in a great many ways, but I... I think that probably one of the greatest sins that we commit and probably we're not very conscious of, and that is the sin of idolatry. Now, some of you may object to that, say, well, wait a minute, I don't bow down to statues. Well, an idol can be anything. An idol is anything that competes for our allegiance to God. It can be entertainment, food, hobbies, our bodies, 
other people's bodies. Relationships, our jobs, our wealth, possession, fame, success, popularity, sports, you name it. All these things, they're not bad in and of themselves, but they become idols when they take the place of God, when they become more important than God himself. Even good gifts from God can become idols when we pursue them over the giver. Sadly, a lot of people don't even realize that there's something between them and God. They just continue to go through the motions. They, they come to worship services like this. They may even attend Bible studies. They, they may even be in a discipleship group. Just because you're doing something that looks holy, looks Christian, looks like that's what you ought to be doing, doesn't necessarily mean that you're right with the Lord. Sometimes we don't notice that we're neglecting our relationship with God. And, and, and on top of that, we can allow the worries of this life to, to blind us to the fact that this world is not our home. We get so worked up, even this whole thing with, with COVID. I don't, I don't want to minimize you know, the, the, the danger that we face and everything else, but, but we almost seem, with, with the fear and the, the, the mask wearing and the social distancing, it almost, almost seemed like, like we were making this life more important than the next life. That this world is all there is and it's not. Now listen, I, I'm not aiming to go home tomorrow, next week, next year, 10 years from now. I mean, I hope the Lord gives me many more years of life because there's a lot more work to do. But I long to be home. I long to be home. And as Paul says, you know, I mean, uh, to die is gain. We can't forget that. This is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven and so we live in this life obediently to God, pursuing his will for our lives, praying and hoping God will use us to further his kingdom so one day when we step into glory, we hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Please don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not saying don't wear masks, don't social distance. I'm not saying that. But I do think we need to check our heart and say, are we living for, for, for Christ and his glory? Are we living to serve others? Are we living a life of safety and security and comfort and just trying to make sure that, that everything turns out okay for us? If we are to shine, we cannot afford to let anything get in the way of our relationship with Christ. Not sin, not his good gifts to us, nor the worries of this life. And the third thing that you have to do to shine is simply to keep your reflector clean. Now, I was thinking, how could I possibly illustrate this here for you? Um, and I came up with an idea. I'm gonna try it. Um, but I'm only going to do it on half because <laughs> I didn't bring myself a, um, a paper towel to clean this off with. But I thought about sin and how sin acts kind of like gunk. And, and sometimes our mirrors 
our reflectors, our lives get gunked up. Now, you may have to take my word for this, but I experimented with this this morning before I came here. And I loaded up the entire mirror with peanut butter. And then I took my flashlight and I shone it on there and I tried shining up on the wall and I guarantee you it does not reflect nearly as well as it does without peanut butter on there, okay? I mean, just take my word for it, it doesn't. And so, but, but if, if, if I were to cover up this end here, you, you can kind of tell it, it just doesn't. But if it's clean, it can and will reflect light the way that it is supposed to. So how do we keep our reflector clean? By the way, that's good. Um, how, how do you do it? How do you keep your reflector uh, clean? What, what are we to do? Well, John, again, gives us an answer, except this time it's in uh, the, his first epistle, John chapter 1, verse 9. This is what he says. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, although sin may gunk up our lives from time to time, it doesn't have to stick. That's what this verse is all about. We can keep reflecting the light of Christ. In a nutshell, this is what John is saying. John is saying, Keep short accounts with sin. Keep short accounts with sin. Don't let it pile up. Don't amass sin and do nothing about it. Don't put it on what I would call a spiritual MasterCard. Because if you do that, that's exactly what will happen. It will master you. We are to confess the sin. Don't, don't wait for three months. Don't wait for six months. I know when I was growing up, um, I grew up in the Catholic church, and uh, we would go to confession. And some of you grew up Catholic too, and, and you know exactly what it was. You'd walk into the confessional, bless me, Father, for I've sinned. It has been six months since my last confession, whatever it might be. And then you think, six months. Six months of sin. Huh. Okay, um, I lied uh, 500 times. You would, you would, you would kind of give a ballpark figure. Thinking, thinking all the while, you're, I'm going to go high because I don't, you know, if I go low, then those sins won't get forgiven. You know, I'm in deep doo-doo, right? So, so I, I lied 500 times. I stole, you know, a dozen times. You know, you go through all of this stuff because you're, you're trying to think, you know, it would be so much. It, now, as a believer, I understand when I sin and I become aware of it, that's the time to go to the Lord. Immediately, right away, don't let it pile up. Don't wait for six months and then, all right, now that you're weighed down with sin beyond belief, that you try to then remember all the things that you've done wrong and confess it in the hopes that somehow you'll feel better. It doesn't work like that. Confess your sins to God and 
Continue to trust in the finished work of Christ. That's the second part of this verse because it's, he says this, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what he's doing? He's pointing back to the cross. He's not saying you need a new experience. He's not saying you need some new manifestation of the spirit. He's not saying you have to be saved again. He says, remember the cross. Look back to the cross. God is faithful and just. Doesn't say that he's loving and merciful, which he is. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. How is it that God could be faithful and just? It's because sins were dealt with at the cross. That God poured out his wrath upon his only son. He took the penalty for our sins and by his wounds we are healed. We have been forgiven. Jesus paid for our sins by his blood on the cross. And because of that, God is perfectly just, perfectly righteous to forgive us of our sins based on the merit of Christ. This is important to understand because I, over the years I have run into so many believers who struggle with this. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people tell me how many times they've been saved. Or how many times they've been baptized. All in an attempt to try to be right with God. And never in the New Testament do you see any of the writers pointing to something new and novel. It's always look back to the cross. Look back at what Jesus has done. I love what, what Jesus did um, recorded in the Gospels in John chapter 13 when, when he washed his disciples' feet. I think you can see 1 John 1, 9 in what Jesus says to Peter in these verses. Jesus is washing his disciples' feet, and in verse 6 we read, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter ex exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. At this point of my object lesson, I would have wiped all this off. And I would have told you, Peter didn't need a bath. He simply needed clean feet. And that's what 1 John 1, 9 is all about. Those who belong to Christ do not need to be saved anew every time they sin. They simply need to confess their sins, forsake their sins, and continue to trust the finished work of Christ. There's one more thing that, that John says to do, and it's found in verse 7, and that is 
we have to continue walking in the light. Now, again, that seems like a no-brainer. But in 1 John 1.7, we read, If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, this is an ongoing relationship. It's not something you do for a time, slack off, come back to it from time to time. This is a continual walking in the light. And it's a conditional promise, too. If we walk in the light. We have no right to presume that we can have fellowship with God or one another if we are not walking in the light. But when we walk in the light, you know what we find? Sin doesn't stick. When we walk in the light, we discover that we are being conformed to the image of Christ. And when we walk in the light, we reflect the light of Christ to everyone around us. So to review, in order for us to shine in 2021 and beyond, we must keep facing the light. We must not allow anything to get between us and the light. And we need to keep our reflectors, our mirrors, our lives free from gunk. Jesus is the light of the world, but so are we. For we were created and called to reflect his life and his light in the world. We are a city set on a hill, shining brightly so that others might see the glory of the Lord, the glory of God in Christ and be saved. And as we begin this new year, I really believe that God wants us to shine like never before. I, I know that we have, and I know God has used it, but, but this year, I believe God wants us to shine like we have never shown before. Not just in our actions, but in our words. Not just in our good works, but in our good words. Because good works are just good works if it's not, if it's not attached to the gospel. There are people all over the world who do good works, do good deeds, but for us, we don't do good deeds just for the sake of good deeds, although we do. We do it to be obedient to God. We do it because we love others. But we have to learn to link the gospel to our good works. That, I think, is the missing piece for many of us. For whatever reason. And this year, we want to explore that more. How can we become bolder in our witness? How can we become more effective in our words as we seek to share the gospel and let our light shine? So let this year be the year that we reflect the light of Christ, not only by our good works, but by our good words. Let us purpose to learn the gospel, live the gospel, and let loose the gospel in 2021. Church, it's time to shine. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning.
thank you for your word to us and the calling that you have placed upon our lives. Lord, we thank you for your son Jesus who came to earth, laid down his life for us that we might have life. And Lord, I pray that this year and every year that follows, that we will take seriously the charge to let our light shine, that others might see our good works and our good words and glorify you who art in heaven. Lord God, we lift up this church, we lift up this community, and we ask, Lord, that we would be that city set on a hill that others might see and come to know you and love you and serve you as we do. In Jesus' name, amen.